Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. There's so much to learn and absorb when you begin your journey. Some call it a healing journey. Some may refer to it as a pursuit of self-awareness or coming home to who you authentically are. Regardless of the term used, it's an active journey of learning, self-expansion, and growth. And although each one of us will learn different lessons along the way, and it is important for us to experience it firsthand, Christina and I are sharing our top 10 lessons that we've learned along our healing journeys. And we hope that today's episode sparks some curiosity on certain lessons and leaves you with a nudge to explore some of these a little further in your own lives. Perhaps while listening, ask yourself, am I struggling with that? What about that is triggering for me to hear? Do I agree with that? And then after listening, maybe dig a little deeper. Enjoy. Hey, 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 hello. I did a different take on the hey, hey today. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's been a minute. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> I feel like we haven't recorded in a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I took a long time to edit the last one. Sorry, guys. Life happens. <laughs> Life happens. And I'm excited for this one because Tess and I sat down and we came up with a plan for different ideas. And this was the first one we wanted to start with. And it feels very suiting, you know, mm -hmm. like this journey never ends. And that's actually going to be one of the pieces we dive into. But it just feels like, yeah, it's nice to kind of, I feel like we're back with like a, a new season of episodes. <laughs> And this feels like a good starter. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I would say if you haven't really listened to all of the episodes yet, this is a great one because it's all the nuggets of all the episodes, basically. Like this is our top 10. Who doesn't love a top 10? Yes, 100%. Um, right. Before we dive in, I do want to do a quick mention because we have a very special event coming up Saturday, July 29th. It is our third Conversations with Her event, but it is a retreat, our first retreat that we are hosting with our beautiful soul sister, Dre. Um, it is going to be an amazing six-hour retreat, 2 to 8 p.m. Again, Saturday, July 29th, we are going to be offering so many different beautiful healing modalities, somatic healing, EFT tapping, breath work, channeled guidance within the Akashic Records, a fully catered meal and snack. I don't know if I forgot anything, Reiki healing, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a local in-person event in Maple Ridge. So if you are a local soul, definitely join us. You can pop over to either Tess or I's social media on Instagram or TikTok, and you will find a link in both of our bios for individual registration, as well as a special offering, bring a friend and save on registration. So yeah, it's going to be a beautiful experience, and we're just really looking forward to doing an even bigger event than some of our more recent conversation with her events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess one thing we forgot to mention, it's literally in this healing center um, that is just gorgeous. It's like wood, beautiful concrete floors. So don't worry, you won't be out in the sun all day. We'll definitely be doing some outside time as well, but it's a, a absolutely beautiful, breathtaking facility. So we're super excited and, and hope uh, we, we fully sell out because it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I think we should just really dig in. We've got some really amazing pieces here that Tess and I have put together just in regards to our own healing journey and some of the different pieces that we have really learned and have integrated, but with the caveat that it doesn't stop, like the learning and the experiencing and the healing. And so this is our current top 10. <laughs> Who knows, maybe a year from now, we'll have a new top 10. But yeah, we hope that you can take from this what you need. And let's kind of dive in. Um, the first piece that 
is really important to bring up here is, and this has been a really big one for me, is learning that when it comes to this healing journey, it's not actually about healing myself. It's about returning more and more and more deeply into who I truly am mm-hmm. at my core. And I think that I really had a fast track into this learning when I became a new mom and I was so uncomfortable with everything that I was experiencing. And, you know, I've talked about this many, many times, my mental health rock bottom and just everything feeling so out of control. And as I really began to dive in, I think initially I thought it was about fixing these things about myself that I didn't like, but as I have delayered and peeled back the onion of who I am, it's really been about coming home to who I authentically am. And what I realized were that there were these layers, this this onion that I had created over top of who I authentically was, it was actually just a lot of conditioning, things that I had grown up learning who I was supposed to be, behaviors and patterns that I had created as responses to my environment and to my trauma. And with the idea that trauma doesn't have to be this big T trauma, like these were just sort of, as we always say, these, these paper cuts, these minor cuts along the way, these experiences that I had where I experienced pain or shame or judgment and I formed sort of these shadow pieces within me that created these layers on top of who I authentically was. And so really, as I began to delayer, it wasn't about changing who I was. It was about healing this pain and creating safety within myself that actually allowed me to feel safer to express who I mm. truly was. I love that. I, I usually describe that as, <clears throat> as opposed to layering and delayering armoring and taking off the armor right Mm -hmm. because ultimately those layers right or conditioning or beliefs we hold on to or traumatic experiences are because we needed to do something to protect ourselves right for when we couldn't elect for who we were or we couldn't go against the grain or speak out or put in a boundary and so then we carry around that armor and exactly it's about taking the armor off to fully just be who you are because it's safe now. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, I love that example you give about the armor because, you know, when I've been doing healing through the parts work that I've done, it's been about seeing when I'm putting that armor on and not judging myself for it, but seeing what part of me doesn't feel safe and is putting this armor on. And it's not about fixing or like feeling like I have to take the armor off, but seeing what part of me needs to feel safe that I don't have to wear it. But if I am wearing it, there's a reason it's protected me for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A journey of self-awareness. Oh yeah. I think that's just so, so important too, because the word healing gets overused and there's lots of controversy out there. People being like healing, like you don't need to change. It's not maybe healing's overused now or the wrong word. And it's, it's definitely not change. It's actually just actually coming home to yourself. Yeah. Right. So think of, think of, I guess, those terms in that way. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, when we think about the word healing, if we think about having like a cut on our, on our leg, right. And if it's a big one, you know, when that cut, like we clean it up, we take care of it. But when that cut, when that cut does quote unquote heal, there's still a scar. It's still a part of us that doesn't ever change. And in fact, whatever we got that cut from created an even stronger, more resilient, more beautiful piece of our skin. Mm -hmm. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And it returned to what it originally was, right? In, In some essence. Yeah. It's not an open wound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love that. Okay. Well, number two, I feel like I'm going to be an announcer. Number one, number <laughs> two, get your pens out. <laughs> so number two is along the same vein of really this, this concept of stepping into what you really want, authentically being who you really are. And so one of the key lessons for me has been no longer looking for belonging in others, but actually belonging to myself. And so, you know, I think one of the reasons 
we typically don't go after what we want or express our true opinions or challenge ideas or traditions, even though we're unhappy and having this internal battle is because we feel if we are rejected or we don't belong to this greater circle or even this ideology of this is what society says I should be doing or says is normal or expected of me at whatever age range or demographic you are, we feel that there's danger in that because typically I think historically there was, right? Mm -hmm. We need to belong to a tribe, but not I think if, if that ideology or that community or those relationships make you feel imprisoned from who you really are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I do think as well, I wanna bring up this piece because I used to judge people who, you know, were doing something that was sort of obscure, like, why are you dressing like that? Or why are you doing that career? That sounds like ridiculous. Good luck making a life out of that. But really, and like, you know, we label them as the black sheep or the boat rockers or whatever, whatever. And you think it's, it's this um, oppositional defiance, like they're doing it just to rebel. But actually what those people have created is belonging within themselves, mm. that they don't actually care what you think of what they're doing because they're following truly what they want, whether that's the things they wanna say, the clothes they wanna wear, the career path they wanna choose, the relationship maybe that isn't approved by all their family, mm. whatever it may be. And I think the trick to doing that and really stepping into what you want is establishing that you only need to belong to you. Yeah, and I think I would, like I'm curious here for you and for anybody listening who might resonate with this, what do you feel like has really helped you? Like, and I know that's such a loaded question because there's so many things, but mm -hmm. for somebody who did seek that belonging outside of yourself, is there like one thing you can think of that's really helped you with that? Well, I definitely think in my in my rock bottom, I, I had this this sort of fork in the road decision to make. Like when my life felt like it fell apart, I could either rebuild it, still seeking belonging to the people, the you know, sort of labels that were created for me which I had been doing for the 20 past years of my life. And it wasn't, it was never, it was never, it never got to the point where I felt like, oh yeah, okay, that was worth it. Like I feel fulfilled now, which is always what I was seeking. And when I chose a different path, which was I'm gonna put myself first, my needs first, I'm gonna follow the things I wanna do, despite what everyone else says. I began to feel just this immense fulfillment inside. Mm -hmm. And then I just, even though there's still judgments and harsh realities of choosing your own path, I don't think I could ever go back to that empty feeling. So I think it's really sort of scanning your life and really asking where you're choosing to belong into other people or other groups or labels. How's that making you feel? How's that going for you personally on a personal level? Yeah. And yeah. ultimately, if we're not living for ourselves, like, isn't that the point? Yeah, I feel that big time. Because that's how I feel in the difference from when I was teaching and my business right now. And mm. though it's so hard being an entrepreneur, <laughs> like just the uncertainty of it, the it and it wasn't that I was unfulfilled teaching, but just the fulfillment I feel now with my business, it's a totally different world. Mm -hmm. Um. So I love that you mentioned that piece. That's a really great way, I think, for anybody who's listening to just do a quick check-in of like, how do you feel in some of these different areas of your life? And where can you step more into fulfillment? Yeah. And what's stopping yeah. you from that? And start with the small steps, right? <laughs> Before you make life-altering decisions. <laughs> baby steps, that, that should have been another one for us because it's not, but baby steps. <laughs> yeah. Some souls are not meant to step lightly and smally. Yes, are. yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, the next one, and I'll say at the beginning, spoiler alert, there is no end point or final destination with this journey. And, you know, saying this, part of me is like, yeah, duh. But then a part of me always forgets this <laughs> because I'll like finish with a piece or like, you know, like we'll voice note. And I'm like, oh, this is coming up again. What the heck? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's because there really is no end point. I think if you're doing this good work, 
challenging at times, but if you're doing this good work, I think actually what happens is you just start to get better at supporting yourself through all of it. The challenges don't end, the triggers don't end, the the obstacles, the mountains, they continue to occur because in my opinion, that's what we sign up as souls having a human experience. Like we're here for the nitty gritty, but we just get better because at the root of it, if we are continuing to do this work and we're building this self-awareness, we continue to get better at seeing things and being able to work through them. And so you hit a rock bottom, maybe it's your third or fourth, it doesn't last as long or it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as gigantic for as long. And I want to mention a piece that I moved through this last week because um, I was really feeling stuck and I and this isn't something that I'm necessarily done moving through I'm still kind of in the midst of it but I was feeling really really stuck and I couldn't really place what was going on and of course finally you like I I remembered to go into my body and you did a good job of mirroring this back to me like have you done breath work I was like oh yeah yeah, okay (laughs) and so I did um some breath work and you know, once I was really able to tap into myself on such a deeper level that my mind wasn't able to do and more on that later, I was able to see that I was actually working through a lot of grief of my relationship with Brad. Because, you know, more recently, I have entered into a really beautiful relationship with an amazing man. And we'll talk about that at some point as well. But with these new beginnings, and stepping into this new space and expanding into a type of love I've never experienced before has brought up old pieces and has brought up, hmm, what's the best way to explain this? It's, it's just brought up a lot. And I think this is part of it is that when we are expanding and continuing to heal and, and do the good work, there are always going to be old pieces that show up. And I think that becomes our opportunity to sift through it and see what we want to hold on to, what we want to keep, what we're ready to release, what needs to be processed, like all of it. It's like a filtering process. And yeah, so there was a lot of grief showing up this week. And at one point I was like, what? I thought I dealt with this. But (laughs) as we know, grief, I think, is just one of those things that likes to show up in weird times um, or when we're not expecting it. And it and it's a really important part of the process of being able to sit with it. So yeah, I, I wanted to share that because I think no matter where you're at on the journey, being able to start to adopt a mindset of like, it doesn't stop. And maybe that sounds like a negative way of looking at it. But to me, it's actually like realistic because it doesn't. And I think when we can learn to expect the waves, it helps us ride them better. And so, you know, it sounds like you came to the conclusion that, okay, this is a journey I'm on for a while, but sometimes those pieces are really hard to, you know, do the work in quotations when maybe you feel like I've already done the work and it's yeah. it's enough work. <laughs> yeah. What is the mindset shift that you tell yourself other than okay well this doesn't end Christine like how do you get yourself through those those hard those hard pieces because mm. you know at one point you told me something and I and it always sticks with me like well maybe that whole piece couldn't have come up at that point when you you know maybe first explored whatever this is that you're going through and maybe it's coming up again because there's still a fragment that you haven't gone through or released because you weren't quite ready yeah Like, how do you get yourself through those really hard moments? Yeah. No, I love that you brought that up. It actually reminds me of a conversation that I was having with a client yesterday. And I'm not going to go, obviously, into her details, but it reminded me of something we all experience, which is, yeah, this is hard and I don't want to do this. And I think before we can begin to look at whatever's coming up is like, oh, there's learning here. There's a growth opportunity or there's something I need to see. I think before we can even go there, which is important, I think we have to stop and have compassion for the part of us that's like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm done. Mm -hmm. Because that's a really important piece that needs to be heard and held space for. 
that's a really um, human part of us. Mm -hmm. And, and so that has been a big piece for me is number one, trying to have that awareness of like, when that part does come up of like, I'm done or like puts the wall up or is like a shutdown mode first and foremost, holding space and being like, yeah, like compassion, self-compassion of like, this is really hard and it feels really big. And what do you need? Yeah. Giving, yeah. You know, I think that's so key for listeners because I remember there being a point on my journey where I just felt shame for feeling like I was done with some pieces or like upset that I had to deal with it again. But I think you're right. Giving yourself that grace and compassion in those moments is is really, you know, what is needed because I I even though we've already said like there is no end point, I think we still have this subconscious belief that there is, or when we get to a certain level of self-awareness or we've been on our healing journey for years, we're like, yeah, I'm above that now. Like, but no, you never, you never like pass past the level. Um, you know what I mean? Like there'll always be this stuff that's coming up. And if you close one chapter, a new door, you'll be ready for. Yeah. So, you know, there's no shame that you're still dealing with things, right? Cause it's almost like when you become really good in a profession, you're like, yeah, well, I don't even have to think about it anymore. But then when you have those moments on this healing journey where it just stops you dead in your track, but you've been on this for like five years, it, there's almost this piece of shame that comes up and we're like, oh, how could I be here? I like, I feel like I've made no progress. Yeah. Yeah. And I've started to notice that when those parts do show up that are like shutdown mode or like, Mm -hmm. I'm done with this, or, you know, like I often have been able to see that that's a really young part of me. And Mm -hmm. if I can have a lot of compassion and create safety, that's actually the most important part. I love that. Yeah. So so yeah, first and foremost, compassion if you can. And then yeah, what is what is the learning opportunity here? And then the acceptance that it doesn't end. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Number four. Four. So I'm actually going to do two lessons. Like I'm gonna do one, Christina do another, and then I'll come back. So this is a part one of this mm-hmm. sort of piece. So the The lesson here is that relationships are our greatest container for growth. Mm -hmm. And so the first part I'm going to talk about is removing people's titles to evaluate a relationship. Let me explain. So we have many points in our lives where we're in relationships with someone. This could be family members, bosses, long-term friends, colleagues, whatever it is, and they all have a title. So this is Amy, my best friend. This is Sharon, my mom. And the whole point of this is if you're getting into conflict with someone or you're feeling uneasy or anxiety in a specific relationship, but you feel that you can't do anything about it because they're your mom, they're your sister, they're your aunt, they're your boss. We really need to evaluate, is this how I would allow anybody to treat me? And the way that I've learned in those last couple months to do that is just such a key tool is removing their title. So this is Keith, my uncle, switch it to this is Keith, the human being. And if you ran up to Keith on the street or you met him for the first time, would you allow him to speak to you that way? Mm. Would you allow him to confront you in that way? Would you allow him to make you feel that way? And so removing the title creates this sort of level playing field. And again, obviously, when we have close relationships with people, there's probably some leniency there because maybe they're just going through a really hard day and there's safety in your container that they're going to project a bit or emotionally kind of outburst on you. I'm talking here about obviously repetitive behaviors. And when you're stuck in this sort of like cycle with somebody, if you want a true lens to evaluate it on, remove their title because it should not matter. I love this. I mean, I just thought of like a multitude of relationships while you were talking there of like, when I remove that title, would I let you say that to me? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And you know, if you're unsure, like, are they crossing the boundary? Like, is this appropriate? What I would, what I would suggest is really asking yourself, how do I feel when I'm with them? Mm. How do I feel when their text message bubble pops up on my phone? 
How do I feel when I run into them at the store? And really tap into that because typically we sacrifice that feeling we're getting in our body because there's some relationship there or some title that we're holding as the superior element as to why you should put up with it or why you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this one is a tough one because even just hearing you talk, I'm like, oof, I could do better with this piece because we can get into these stories and not even just the story, but these patterns that we've had in these relationships and with these people for so long. So I'm kind of selfishly asking here, what has helped you really start to create this, this habit in your life for my own uses? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think it is that latter piece I talked about, which is really tapping into how does this make you feel? I experienced this, you know, even before my healing journey with, with my biological um, mother, And I think I've heard just so many women, especially, but even men and their stories sometimes with their paternal parent, uh, where the relationship is toxic or it's not good, but they continue to feed the relationship due to the title. And I did that for so many years. And honestly, the moment I think I was gearing up to, you know, become a mother and really step out on my own. And I began creating safety within myself. I realized that that relationship was draining me more than it was giving to me. I still struggle with it though. This is a huge piece. Like I'm not saying it's easy, but I know that that's how I have to think about it because if not, we allow people into our lives. And I think what those feelings in our body are begging us to do is to step out of that or to evaluate it at minimum, right? And I think that we truly teach people how to treat us. So maybe by you finally electing to say how you really feel, it doesn't necessarily mean that that will end the relationship. Maybe though the truth will actually create a relationship that you ultimately really wanted. Yeah. But we, we typically don't give people that opportunity because we assume they can't handle it. And sometimes they can't. And you need to realize that that's also a risk. Yeah. And it's also uncomfortable having those conversations, but that's how we create new patterns. That's how we step outside of what we've always done. And you, you're really good at helping me see this, especially in my relationships with men, because I think number one, based on the sexual abuse that I experienced, I mean, that has been a big part of it. There are ways that I have let men treat me or talk to me. And you have been a really big piece in helping oh. me see of like, Christina, like, that, I remember like, a couple of micro things we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but for somebody who like, when you're, when you're in the pattern, it's hard to see it. And so I, I would almost say to here, if you're listening and you're like, I want to create this change. I would say first and foremost, do you have an accountability partner? Do you have someone that you're doing the healing with that could help you see this, who maybe isn't in the same pattern as you, because you've been able to really help me see this piece because your trauma isn't with men. Your trauma is with women. And that's where I help you. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So it's just, (laughs) it's just so interesting. I always know when, when teenage Christina comes out to rumble, that means, oh, that person probably crossed a boundary for me. (laughs) (laughs) Teenage Christina is the best, man. Like she, I wish I knew her. <laughs> uh, I don't know what she. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> I just get glimpses. <laughs> she's she's pretty amazing, though. Um, you'd want her on your side for sure. So you know, this actually works perfectly. How this one is wedged in between your two parts, because the next one that I have to say, number five, is that in order to truly heal the deeper pieces within us, we must return to our bodies. We must reconnect Mm. with our bodies. We must tap back into our intuition, which is in our bodies. Um, And we do this through different forms of modalities like somatic therapy, breath work, all of that good stuff. You know, and it's interesting because for a long time in my healing journey, I was mostly using my mind And working from like a more mental place in terms of healing different pieces and working with like subconscious stuff and creating new beliefs. But when you go into your body, when you take that on a deeper level into your body, this is where you really start to see such a deeper change because this energy is stored in us. It Mm -hmm. is in our nervous system. And we need to be able to get into that in order to really learn 
what is there, what needs to be processed, what needs to be moved, what needs to be released. And, you know, even just, I gave this example of this week of how I was able to tap into this grief that I couldn't, I, I spent a good majority of the week trying to figure out on a mental level what was going on. And it wasn't until I got into my body that I, I figured out, oh, wow, there is some deep grief that my, that I'm trying to process right now. And mm -hmm. I'll even say too, like for a while there, um, I was using a process. This was a couple of years ago when I first found out about the Akashic records, found a lot of healing through that, but I was also doing breath work before I would go into my records. And wow, the, the amount that I opened up through the breath work that then I was able to tap into my records. It was phenomenal. And a, and a third example, this last year, year and a half, I've now been doing somatic therapy, which has allowed me to learn, number one, about my nervous system, build awareness around when I, when I am dysregulated, when I'm in a freeze response or a fight or flight response, but also be able to work through all of these memories, again, on a mental level, but as I'm re-experiencing trauma or like really painful experiences or challenges that I had in my past, I am working with my nervous system on a deeper level to create safety and to create regulation. And that's what has allowed the deeper healing. Mm -hmm. I loved when, yeah, the other day you called and I was like, have you done breath work? <laughs> because... <laughs> It, I'll compare it to listeners maybe who have never tried breath work, but after you cry, you what do you feel? What would you say you feel in like one word after a cry, a good cry? Like in breath work? Anything after any, like crying, like let's just say you didn't do breath work, but you just like really let yourself cry. Like what oh. do you feel right after? Release. Release, weightlessness, right? Openness. Yeah. The reason you feel that is because physically your body released something. And maybe there's people listening who aren't criers. When you punch something or you slam your fist, fist or your foot into the floor, you know, when you're really angry, like your kids have really just like <laughs> done that last thing. The reason you almost involuntarily do that, or like for me, I'm a crier. So the moment like emotionally my body needs to release something like the tears will start and I can't stop them it's like involuntary it's because our body is literally letting go of something there's a reason that all of those things we just said I bet you everyone would resonate with listening to right and so it is just so so important because I agree with you like what our mind suppresses our body will begin to express we'll feel anxiety tightness like all of that plus then if you really want to tap into what's going on it's stored in the body. So it only makes sense to go back to the source. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's, it is mind blowing sometimes. I mean, number one, that we've also strayed so far from this innate mm -hmm. healing that we already have within ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, like, like breathing, deep breathing, breath work, somatically connecting and, and, and re-experiencing different things in our body. These, these are free, free tools. Yeah. And it just, yeah, more on that with like our health podcast. Like it's just, yeah, the one like we nervous. just talked about. Yes. And like a, a lot of the time, Christine and I are talking about sort of, you know, 30 to hour long breathwork sessions, but there's also really cool breathing techniques for nervous system regulation. So last night is a good example little redheaded Turner, who everyone I'm sure knows can be quite feisty. He <laughs> was upset because he couldn't have, you know, chocolate milk and cookies right before bed. And I literally stood in front of his bed and just did some box breathing because at that moment I had had enough, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you can really use your body as well to pull, pull yourself down from sort of the red zone mm -hmm. um, but typically we don't right we don't even stop to tap in and we just go with yeah. sort of that prefrontal cortex yeah <laughs> especially with children you can't logically talk your way out of things sometimes yeah oh 100 percent. right and then when they do see us model that oof, that's that's 
healing in itself, you know, because we never got that modeled for us. But I will say too, before we move on to the next one is that if this is an area that you are needing help with, which I think we all are, Tess and I are both trained in different areas. And so uh, Tess is a certified breathwork practitioner and she has done all of her training for it and she does sessions. So you can definitely book with her through her social media, through her links in her bio. Um, And I also offer somatic experiencing and somatic healing in the deep dive sessions that I offer. And so you can contact me as well. If you're looking for either of those modalities, feel free to reach out because these are areas that we're very passionate about, obviously, because we have both experienced so much healing for ourselves, first and foremost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, it's such a good topic. I mean, really quickly, and we'll, we'll jump on to number six. I... I really do feel that my Crohn's that I healed over the last year and a half, I know, I guess I tried lots of supplements and really tuned in my diet, but I've been trying that for 18 years. The big change was the somatic work I was doing with my body and breath work for me was like the key piece. Um, Mm. Like I could just feel the weight and pain like lifting off me from like years and years of stuff I was never able to tap into. So somatic work, somatic practices, A plus for me as well. (laughs) Okay, so number six, and this is sort of part two to that piece that relationships are our greatest container for growth, is that if you're in a relationship, and this could be for any type, but specifically, I want to talk about intimate partnership here. If you are in an intimate partnership, and things are on the brink of disaster or things just aren't as great as they used to be or maybe there's like some major rock bottom that's happened if you want to create a different relationship whether that's with the one that you're in already or a new relationship you have three choices to make with three very likely outcomes and i want to explain these because Basically, if you want to create change in your relationships, you have to create change within yourself is the overall lesson here. And so I want to explain those three choices you have and the three most likely outcomes of those. So the first choice is you stay with the person you're in a current relationship with and you change nothing. And we've all probably seen this, right? People that have been together 15, 20 years, you can feel the resentment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't even need any words to be said. Uh, You will continue building resent within that partnership. Your level of happiness will compoundingly get worse as time goes on. I think a lot of people think eventually something will change, like he will do this or she will do that, but we don't actively work on making any changes there, right? We just think miraculously someone's coming and something's going to help us. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert again, it's it's probably not. Um, you know, and, and over time, your body will start showing signs of stress, you'll probably develop like anxiety and all those things because you're sitting in this uncomfortableness, you're being called to make a change. That's why those feelings of resent, anger, frustration are coming up, and you're doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I get why I think we're all guilty of maybe staying in something longer or not making a change when we didn't feel we had to, because it's scary right? It's scary being vulnerable, telling someone how we really feel and all those things. So the second choice is you leave and you do nothing. So basically we've seen this too, where, oh yeah, I broke up with him because he was an absolute like, you know, train wreck. There was all these things wrong with him. The whole relationship was on him, or maybe it's a woman, whatever it is. So we're blaming, of course, the partner. We this this might result in like a newfound love where there's sparks at the beginning and there's lots of joy, but probably after a couple of years, you find yourself right reliving the same patterns or similar patterns that you were with this previous partner. And that's because you have not looked at how you contributed to that relationships. Mm. And perhaps it wasn't something that you were doing. Maybe this person really had some toxic traits, but maybe it was a lack of what you were doing. Mm. So were you putting in the proper boundaries were you having honest, vulnerable conversations? And we inevitably continue calling in the same people, the same patterns and experiences because we want to rewrite the ending. Mm. And that brings us to the last and final choice you have is you do your own inner work. And that's before considering saving the current relationship, leaving the current relationship, or starting a brand new relationship. And this is because in order to create something different, with a partner, your current one or a new one, you have to take self-responsibility 
Who were you in that relationship? What did the previous relationship teach you? Where did it ask you to grow? What are you doing to fix those things? Mm. And that took me a rock bottom to figure out. And I feel like it is so critical when we talk about relationships existing or new. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple things that show up here that I want to mention. Number one, it makes me think of how you always ask me when I'm dealing with something in a relationship with someone, are you still learning something here? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such a crucial piece because especially if you're like looking at your own relationship, whether it's with someone that's romantic or not, you're thinking about, do I end this relationship? Do I move on from it? Do I need to let it go? Whatever that is. Are you still learning something from it? I think that that's such a crucial question that you can ask yourself that Tess always asks me. (laughs) So there you go. Number two, this reminds me. So if you're wanting to learn more about relationships or wanting to dig more into like conscious relationships, episode 16, we talk all about this moving towards a conscious relationship where actually we dive deep into a lot of those points that Tess just mentioned there. And number three, this reminds me of leaving my own marriage because mm-hmm. it took me a while. It took me a really long time to sit with uh, the decision to separate. And even after we separated, I then had to dig so much more into myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a big place. Like, so not only is it sometimes the hard decision of stepping out of a container that is no longer working, but I think that actually the real work then comes afterwards, even if it's romantic or not, looking at that relationship. What were you meant to learn? What were your patterns that weren't working? How do you want to change or what do you want to step into next in order to feel something different? Or, you know, like if if I hadn't sat for the last year and a half and really looked at some of these pieces, I'd be willing to, to, to put a lot of money down that I would not be able to be stepping into the relationship I am now with my partner. Yeah. Well, you called in something just very different, right? Right. And I think that that's such a big piece is like, you know, even when you do, or if you do get out of that relationship, you have to look at your stuff. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you are going to repeat those patterns. Yes. And even when you, and even when you do look at your stuff, you'll still want to repeat some of the patterns, but when Mm -hmm. you do look at that, that's again, back to kind of the main point, relationships are our greatest container for growth. So even if you're in something where they challenge you, like even we can look at our friendship compared to maybe other friendships we have, you know, every relationship is different. It serves a different purpose, but right. Like ours isn't like, Oh, Hey, like want to go for a drink some Friday? It's like, Oh, Oh God, she's going to call me on it. I know it. Like, (laughs) right. Because like we hold each other accountable and yeah, it's just, relationships are where it's at like really take inventory of your relationships and how they're doing in your life because it says a lot about your self-awareness and your ability to kind of turn the mirror on yourself yeah a hundred percent that's probably why I didn't voice note you for so long and then you're like have you done breath work (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) the work part we always talk about (laughs) yeah okay I love that so Moving on to number seven, and this is a tough one. So get ready to hear it because it's not going to be something you necessarily want to hear if you've never heard this. And it might also be something that is going to bring up a lot of resistance within you if you've never heard this. Because for me, this was a hard one for me to wrap my head around. But when I did, and when I began to really dig into this piece, holy wow. (laughs) Was I like, this is wild how much this is showing up in all the ways that our relationships, that your relationships right now in your life, almost all of them, if not all of them, emulate your relationships, your, your primary relationships with your parents or your primary caregivers. And so let me explain what I mean by this. When you are young, you form these initial attachments with your parents or your primary caregivers. It's not even necessarily your parents. Let's say you grew up with your grandparents. It would be whoever were your primary caregivers when you were young, typically from the ages of zero to 12, but especially zero to five. And whatever attachments you formed with your parents 
And the ways in which these relationships looked and felt are the ways in which you are now going to have relationships with the adults in your life. And so what becomes really important work to do is to look at, and so I'll give you an example of this actually. When it comes to my male relationships, um, the men that I have dated or been in relationship with up until this point, <clears throat> there were very clear patterns that emulated the relationship that I had with my dad. So typically, I would have dated men who were emotionally unavailable, who worked really hard, who valued achievement and success. Sometimes even to the point men who loved sports, my dad loved sports, and who I, I played sports with. So there were very specific patterns and similarities that showed up in my male relationships that emulated that of my dad. Why? Because we will enter into relationships that emulate that of our parents as a way to heal through these deeper wounds that we experienced in the relationships with our parents. <laughs> like, and then similarly, the female relationships in my life often like friendships often will emulate that of the relationship that I have with my mom. That one. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. Cause I know you want to say something here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just even thinking like, and again, this goes back to, this is what we signed up for. Like every micro moment, like, yes, we're supposed to enjoy as well, but there is always sort of a door opening for growth. Like always, mm. I even think of, even out and about in the world, you will run into very controversial men who are, you know, just kind of ignorant and rude and like brash and sarcastic. Like, you know, when you parked in the wrong parking spot and the guy blocked you and like that would never happen to me. I feel like someone's like, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Whereas the guy just gave it to you. For yeah. us, like when we went to the cabin and I accidentally took the wrong drink at, at like the barista table and like there was this older lady, she just like, looked at me like I was the freaking devil. Like how dare, it's like, whoa lady, it's a coffee. But like, it's always, like it's, it's crazy when you think about it. Even in yeah. those like random little micro moments in life, I feel like I run into challenges with women, you run into challenges with men. And it's again, it's like, here's an opportunity. Are you going to assert yourself in the way that you need to, to kind of end this cycle? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and we really do recreate these patterns we recreate these relationship patterns mm -hmm. because there is a deeper part of us that wants to experience that healing mm -hmm. and so we enter into we subconsciously so this is not a conscious thing so if you're listening to this and you're like i don't do that i don't do that purposely well no you don't do that purposely you do it <laughs> no one would choose a, it <laughs> right you do it from a subconscious place because there are these deeper younger parts of you that are that still are experiencing this wounding that are projecting this energy outwards thinking if i enter into this relationship i can heal through this piece and 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 finish the cycle and complete mm -hmm. the process mm -hmm. so this is probably going to bring up a lot of resistance for people who have not heard this before and probably flat out this isn't true. So I just encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're feeling this resistance, sit down and write out all of your past relationships with people you date. And then sit down or sit down at the same time, but see <laughs> if, right, don't get up and sit down again, but stay, <laughs> stay seated. <laughs> but look at your relationship with your primary caregivers and the pain or the wounding or the challenges that maybe you felt in those relationships, can you find similarities? Can you find patterns? Can you find connections? And that is a great place to start in terms of some, some healing. Mm -hmm. And maybe one caveat, it's not necessarily, oh, they have the exact same personality trait as your parent, but it's more is whatever your partner intimate past relationships did it always bring up a similar feeling that mm. you felt from your childhood or a similar type of opposition or a similar type of pattern so don't get hung up on like oh well my mom was really cold and i picked a, a wife who's like super loving and bubbly it's like okay yeah 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 so there's definitely differences right yes. but it's more like 
how did the dynamic work? How, what, what were the results or the feelings you had between the caregiver and the partners? Right? Yes. Yeah. And I want to, I, lo I love that you said that piece because another part of this also is that it's, <clears throat> you're going to find similarities, not necessarily just in the challenges, but also positive things. Probably the people you have dated or been with or are currently with, there's going to be both similarities in terms of your parents or caregivers, but positives as well. When I think about the men that I have been in relationships with, they wanted to do well. They they worked hard. And that was also a really positive attribute about my dad was that he was such a hard worker and he did pride himself on doing really well in life. And those are a lot of the people that I've been with as well. So it's, it's not necessarily only going to be challenges. You're going to probably notice some really positive things that you look for in partners as well that emulate that of your parents or caregivers. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a good one. Love that. Okay. Well, are we ready for the last three? You're ready. Okay. So number eight, coming in hot at number eight. <laughs> I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Hurt people hurt people. Yep. Yeah. I don't even think we need to say anything else. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do, we so, don't, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. We will explain for the people in the back. Yeah. Um, if someone hurts you, more than likely they are projecting something onto you mm. okay projecting something within themselves that they're struggling with that they're judging themselves for onto you maybe someone talks rudely to you maybe they abandoned you maybe they didn't support you in some way where you need it maybe they crossed a boundary purposefully here's like a quick little example let's just say like you bought a new car and you were like super excited about it and maybe you kind of spent a little too much and you have a friend who's like i can't believe you bought this car and they begin like undercutting the car even though they can see like how excited you are so in that moment not saying you're going to end the friendship over you know maybe some of this like bad commentary but it's learning the lesson here is learning that when people are hurt they hurt others they project onto and it has nothing to do with you because, you know, for me, I went through so much of my life and I still really struggle with this about not assuming that how people treat me is based on like my value or who I am. And so when we can really realize that we have to remember that people aren't trying to intentionally hurt us, but rather that they're trying to keep themselves safe by projecting it onto you rather than looking within themselves. And that is sort of a mind shift, I will say, that has really helped me not sort of, you know, degrade or dilute myself when someone else, like you can't control what people are going to say or how they're going to act. But a lot of people, especially like empaths and whatnot, really absorb it and they, they begin placing their value based on how people feel or how they talk to you. And when you can really think, hurt people hurt people and they're not intentionally trying to hurt me. This is how they're trying to keep themselves safe. I'm not saying that you put up with it, but I'm saying it helps you to kind of reflect it off of yourself. Yeah. I think that this is a really valuable one and it takes practice and I don't think we ever get perfect. I mean, I don't think we get perfect at anything, but it's a hard one to adopt, but practicing it can be really helpful it reminds me of the one you said we're taking the labels off of people right to see the mm -hmm. truth this one in particular and, and i'm going to give a trigger warning here because i'm going to talk about my sexual abuse this one has helped me find a lot of healing through diving into the sexual abuse i i experienced when i was younger with an adult in my life who was a neighbor, who was a male adult. And it really helped me to try to practice remembering that. And I don't know this as a fact, but I'm going to guess that he probably experienced some form of abuse in his life. It's very common for people who have been abused to then, um, I don't know what the word is, but to do this again to somebody else. And, and so that brought me a lot of healing was trying to see him as having 
been hurt and abused. And that was one of the reasons why he did it to me and probably others. And, you know, even in like one of the, in the letter that I wrote him, I said at the end, I hope that he would find healing for himself. And I think it's just a really big piece, you know, reminds me too of like learning how to forgive. It's not necessarily, or it's not for them, it's for us. And I think this is part of it is when we can detach and see other people as like what they're going through and that it actually doesn't have to do with us, even though we feel the effects of it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, there's a lot of freedom in that experience. Yeah. Yeah, And thank you for sharing that because that's, I'm sure some people are probably shocked that you even wrote that person, but I think that speaks to the volume of work you've done and how much you prioritize like your own mental health and well-being because you're basically releasing that piece right mm-hmm. seeing it for what it is being able to detach from it, it had nothing to do with you yeah. and you know as someone who also like went through you know similar very traumatic things like when I was younger like I spent years of my life attaching you know my value to the world based on like how my mom treated me like I must be a piece of shit if like my mom could hurt me that way and abandon me and not care to be in my life like those are the types of narratives I would tell myself every single day because especially when you're a child or an adolescent and something happens to you you don't have the cognitive development yet to to know this lesson, which is that hurt people hurt people, and it probably has nothing to do with you. And they're not even intentionally, like, I mean, like consciously trying to bestow hurt onto you. They're doing it because it's probably a pattern they endured or saw, and it's them trying to protect themselves or keep themselves safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, not that it makes it any better, but it just, it can allow you to remain detached and feel whole in yourself that you are not the value of what happens to you or what other people do. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say to like, bring this before we move on to the next piece is that if you are struggling with this piece and you are moving through your own trauma, whatever that looks like, I would say, yes, this is a valuable piece to try to practice, but also getting extra help with it is really important because Mm -hmm. I did have to do that. I had to, you know, get extra help with my therapist who I still work with. She's amazing. But again, know that you don't have to go at it alone and move through this piece. It's really important to get that support if you need it. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, this then brings us to this next piece, which connects in a big way, which is, is, you know, I'm really learning that there will always be polarities of this human experience. And what do I mean by that? Well, we can't have the good without the bad, quote unquote bad. I don't think things are bad, challenging, I guess. You know, we can't experience the full breadth of our emotions. You know, we can't be at that really, we can't experience those really high, beautiful, you know, quote unquote, high vibe emotions like joy and and peace and love and gratitude and expansiveness if we're not also learning how to hold space for the the really deep hard ones like shame and guilt and fear and anger and so we have to be willing to see that there is going to be both sides of the spectrum for anything we can't have birth without death we can't have the dark without light and This has been a really helpful lesson for me when I am in darkness, when I am feeling a lot of pain, when I am experiencing a really big challenge is trying to remind myself that it won't stay like this Mm -hmm. because there is a spectrum to this. There is an ebb and flow. It's, we are always moving. We are energy in motion. And so you will never be fully in that dark. You will, there's always an opportunity to move out of it. Yeah, this is a big one. I mean, lately, I've really been practicing that the darkness or the bad experience or the lesson, it's this invitation that you're ready to grow on this, you're ready for this change. And although in the moments, it's very hard to see that I think that's where it's important to keep notes or try and go back to like, I will get out of this. We will get through this tunnel, even though you don't know how, you don't know what the lesson is yet, right? You you don't find the compassion there for the person or your experience or yourself. 
just rem- keep reminding yourself, I this this too shall pass. Yes. And right. And then it's typically once we're out of it that we then see like the silver lining, the blessing in it. I think of you know, my relationship with my husband. And although, yeah, it was like a good marriage. It was kind of mediocre though at best. And it wasn't until that rock bottom that we've been able to transform it into this like really conscious, you know, relationship that was kind of beyond my wildest expectations. Do I wish still that it like happened how it happened? No, but you know, maybe it had to, maybe that was what I signed up for. Cause there's also lots of other learnings with my relationship with women that have come from that. But I can see now like the glimmers of like why it transpired that way. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I love, you said that piece about the reflecting on it. And maybe that's something that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in the throes of it or the depth of your darkness, or you're really struggling with that challenge, maybe reflecting on when you have had challenges in the past or when you have been in it, what did you gain from that? Where did you go after in terms of growth? What were you able to expand into? Because there, you know, when we do get into these really hard spots, again, it can feel all encompassing and suffocating, but sometimes being able to remind ourselves of, I've been here before, I will get out of this. And where did I go from that place? That can be um, very motivating. Yeah. Like little leap pads. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So number 10, we're going to round out this list now. Okay. Ooh. And I feel like everyone waits number 10 and this one's, a, this one's a goodie. So it's a little piece of humble pie though. So brace yourself. And it does, it's the next piece. It's like a part two. I've done a lot of those today of hurt people, hurt people. So now I want you to take the mirror and put it on yourself. Here it is. The judgments that you have of others directly reflect an area that you continue to judge or struggle with yourself. Mm. Okay. Everyone listening, I want you to think back. When was the last time I made a judgment of someone in my head, verbally spoke it? This typically looks a lot like gossip, but you know, we even like have these instantaneous thoughts sometimes that come to our head, right? Like when we see someone or whatever. So, you know, and I kind of gave an example of this, but again, this is more of like the internal lesson that there is for you there, right? This is really where shadow work begins. Literally write a list. What are the judgments I'm making of other people? What are the things I say when I'm scrolling on Instagram and see some influencer doing this or that or having some outspoken comment or whatever it is? What is that trying to tell me about my internal world right now? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's like, a friend of yours gets this really, really cool new job um, that's like, you know, a huge promotion. They're going to be super busy. And you're like, I don't know how you're going to handle like your family and that job. And like, you know, maybe you're gossiping to your other friends about it. Could it be that maybe you feel insecure about your career and where it's going or that you haven't gone after your dream that maybe is a bit risky, maybe like they have? So really like turn any judgment you have and ask, what is this trying to tell me about myself? Mm. And what am I struggling with? So it's not not having those thoughts. It's okay, that's probably not actually how I feel about them, but more a reflection of where I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a lot easier to project our insecurities, our judgments onto someone else than to grab that mirror and look in it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I will give a couple other examples, which I think would probably resonate with a lot of our audience, which is your children. Mm -hmm. And this shows up big time, at least for me with Max and Zoe in different ways. And what I began to realize was the ways in which I would maybe project shame or like say, oh, don't do that. Or that's not okay. Or even just like within myself, be judging how they were about something for so for Max it would be maybe his emotional outbursts or his anger or for Zoe it would be like her carefree energy and I realized that those were actually pieces within myself that I had never learned how to integrate Mm -hmm. and so the work really has been especially with motherhood and with parenting seeing when those judgments or those triggers or those you know heightened emotions come up within me and getting curious around okay what is what is this that's showing up within me this this part that is needing me to look at and it's actually not really about our kids they are just mirrors for us of like what's going on on a deeper level absolutely 
So well said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you're actually interested in that piece, shadow work would be a really great place to look into. There's lots of different resources you can look out there in terms of shadow work, but just even getting to know what shadow work is, because this is essentially shadow. These are the pieces within ourselves. When we do project this judgment or these emotions onto others, these are the pieces within ourselves that we never learned to integrate when we were younger. We never found safety within they were never supported within ourselves or we were never taught how to fully express mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so exciting stuff. top 10 top 10 so we hope that you all find this very helpful again i just want to bring it full circle from what we were talking about before if you are needing more help in some of these areas this is work that tess and i both do with clients within one-to-one -one sessions you can shoot us a message you can check out the links in our bios and if you don't know where to find us you can find us on social media for Tess, it is at her unearthed on both Instagram and TikTok. And for myself, Christina, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Christina.soulempowered. And don't forget, if you're not ready for one-to-one, -one, you can come to the Conversations with Her retreat day on Saturday, July 29th, and you can get a little taste of just what uh, we have to offer there. So woo woo. thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Have a good day. Bye.